Primary threat spotted. Moving into position. The grades of strength and certainty of steel. Media marks the boundary where reality and unreality meet. Of course, we didn't expect to die out here. You know, I'm beginning to wish I'd asked for more money. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. D20Radio.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Squad Tactica. We are going to have a really fun episode this week because we have some special guests on. We have got uh, EP Jillian, a.k.a. Evan, from the Jotocast and the Discord channel here with us on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, well, I'm getting getting over a cold, but all in all, I am always thrilled and excited to be back on here so I can just fanboy it up about... <laughs> Warhammer stuff because I get I get called out when I try to do that on my Star Wars show and they're like this is the wrong show bro I'm like okay okay <laughs> we, we've got your fix right yeah, here right. it's gonna be fun and then we also have from the discord channel uh Dyson aka Russ how are you doing yeah I'm doing good really excited to be here uh, kind of the same problem as Evan um, I, I'm on enemy spotted wargaming which was originally an infinity channel but expanding into kill team so it's really exciting to be on this podcast where we're definitely talking kills <laughs> <laughs> i do miss playing infinity that game is so much fun oh it's so cool models so uh this show the reason we have the special guests coming on is a uh you know we're big fans of having our community from discord and our listeners you know participate in you know what we're doing with the show it's not just me and that's it and i don't want to hear from you like get off my face uh but we're going to be talking about Kill Team in a year in review from 2019 moving through Adepticon because uh, the three of us are actually going to be or should be at Adepticon barring, you know, accidents, acts of God or, you know, life in general. But we're going to be hanging out, talking about uh, Kill Team has its kind of matured and grown over the year, uh, what we're looking at in 2020 what we're hoping to see at adepticon and then you know we might come back after adepticon and just have a nice you know fun wrap-up show but um this is going to be a very very relaxed episode so if you're listening and you're thinking about you know strategies and whatnot you know we, we may or may not be talking about that we're just kind of doing a fun uh in review history event kind of you know remembering what made kill team interesting some of the big highs some of the low lows and you know what we're hoping to see in 2020 uh, because i think year in review shows are a lot of fun so um, let's just start off with January of 2019. Uh, Kill Team had just been on the shelves for what a few. I think it came out in November of 2018. September was well, it I earlier it was like than August. that? Or, no, no, it was yeah, like yeah, June, July. August. Yeah, it was like summer. So it's it's not even a year old. And the first thing we get out of 2019 is a white dwarf, crute uh, army profile. So what did you guys think about that? Since uh, this was Games Workshop's first, um, I guess, expansionary-based content that was, you know, in the White Dwarf magazine. Yeah, I was really excited about this. I mean, I don't play Crew, but narratively, this th th this had a lot coming to it, right? Um, they actually quoted in there that that's right. It's a pure crude kill team. There are no Tal Empire troops to so watch over them with disapproval when they start eating people. 
Um, <laughs> well, because I mean, like, right, the carnivores change, and they had some flavorful and like narrative tactics that went with that hyper evolution, um, primal savagery, tearing jaws that that kind of amped up their weaker units because they're more of a, a horde style team, but really flavorful. Yeah, that whole January issue of White Dwarf was filled to the gills with a lot of good stuff, including that. So I was just on board to buy that issue anyways. Uh, but I was very, very happy to see that they were already breaking out of the defined teams that they'd set up from the birth of the game, which they'd done a little bit of with um, the Rogue Trader box previously. And then they'd been teasing out some of the uh, Blackstone Fortress characters and enemies, but I was just happy to see them just taking other lines and not limiting the um, the model base because of the yeah, or I should say with the with the crews going back to older models. Yeah, and I remember when they first made this announcement, we were really excited because the potential of Kill Team was proving to be limitless. This was not just a a uh, single box game that Games Workshop was going to produce and then maybe put out a book a year and that was it. Like we could tell with, you know, Blackstone Fortress, we could tell with um, Row Trader, like they were definitely trying to make Kill Team a game that they could add supplementary content to via, you know, expansions or in this instance, the, the first White Dwarf with a, um, you know, rule set for a brand new technically a brand new kill team it wasn't competitive by any means but the fact that games workshop was trying was um it was a good sign because a lot of people especially in the olden days were used to games workshop making a set and then they would kind of fiddle with it and then they would abandon it and this was clearly not something they wanted to do like we knew for a fact that they were going to be supporting this for a while and 2019 was an excellent year for kill team because they pretty much did something almost every month and that's great like i think kill team like some people might say competitively it's not in a great place but i think the game as a whole competitively casually just as a game is doing very well because there's so many options but crude was a great start unfortunately they're all fine cast models and i am waiting patiently for a plastic model line similar to the Sisters of Battle that we have later in the 2019 months to come. <laughs> I think you mean 2020, in our, right? In our conversation, well, it's it's I mean, we got that. Oh, we got the mono pose. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we got the go. we got the box and the annual in 2019. I mean, like you could say 2020, but technically, Sisters came out in 2019. True, true. So I have hopes for 2020 plastic crew, maybe. <laughs> Um, so crew, crew was interesting, but I think the big thing, um, other than the crew that we're going to try to transition into is we were starting to get previews for arena in January. And, uh, this was a big question mark for kill team because we had just gotten the, the core rules kind of figured out. Um, you know, the game had come out in the summer of 2018, Nova, 2018 had a tournament lvo had had a tournament and adepticon is coming right up at the end of march just like it is in 2020 right now we're recording and february comes along and we get arena and it was a 
pretty big game changer for the competitive players and just for the average player. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about what you thought when we had Arena hit the tables and the store shelves uh, in February of 2019? For me, Arena is the only major expansion that I haven't purchased yet, but it's because I've while I've tried to run some organized play in my stores for miniatures, it's been focusing on Star Wars Legion, which has been, had its own trials. So if I was going to, I'd have to spend more time, uh, you know, trying to find a night to run it, to run Kill Team. But since I have Rogue Trader, if I want to play that style of game, I still have components for that. And it was very nice to see that Rogue Trader was very much the uh, test grounds for Arena because a lot of the same components like the doors, the barrels, the boxes are in in both. So if I need to practice for an event or if I just want to play that style of game, I can still do that with Rogue Trader. I think Arena serves itself best. The, the Arena, the box, serves itself best for if you are going to be in that competitive field, uh, the the type of game of Arena, I think, is terrific because it's it's definitely a very um, flat. I don't just mean flat because it's a board flat uh, competitive field. Uh, it's it's an even playing field is what I'm trying to say <laughs> through the fog of cold medication. But um and it's easy to just grab a board, take those little components over to your friend's house. You're playing 100 points. It's it's easier to pick up and go, amongst other things. So I think it's a great system. I, I think it's great to have both that style of game and the traditional kill team where you're going to have big walls and big other pieces and you're... Uh, you're jumping up and down across, uh, ver- you've got verticality going on. Uh, arena certainly limits certain abilities. Like I'm, I'm thinking right now of Reavers being able to just go up and down at will in a vertical environment. They don't necessarily have that. So it's, it's definitely, uh, it changes the way you play the game. It's, it's very interesting to have both those ways to play. Yeah, for me, I, I was both excited and kind of a little mad when Arena first came out. Uh, so I didn't pick it up right away, and I wanted to kind of see if it would really take on. as a I, I play Harlequins as my main, so Arena did oh, really... Yeah, yeah that, that was rough for me. Especially, you know, when someone could now shoot Overwatch from around uh, the wall. Because <laughs> they could declare it during your path. <laughs> like, that was rough. But um, I have played with secondaries, and I thought that was a great introduction. For a lot of newer players that might just be picking up Kill Team fresh, not coming from 40k. So that was really cool. I also loved the idea of GW spending some time to make a competitive style for the game. Uh, that support always, you know, keeps my hopes up. But I was also a little bummed out too, because I'm like, well, you know, I, I prefer the narrative side of things and the casual play. And I think Kill Team does that better than any other system that I've played. And uh, seeing Arena, I'm like, ah, are we getting a little too particular? Well, you got a choice. That's great. I just really hope events don't go solely to Arena. Like, that was my big concern with that. But, I mean, I think we've seen a good mix coming through, so I'm happy with it. I'm so happy I actually ended up picking a box up, uh, the the Arena box set up last month. So I'm going to be building that. And 
we'll probably be playing some games. It's it's a little hard to find arena players in my area, but 45, 50 minutes away are the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. So I'm hoping to pick up some games there and finally try it out. Oh, nice. So I remember when Arena came out and there was, it was kind of like a 50-50 in a lot of different like forums and threads and Facebook pages because the competitive players were like, all right, sweet, we finally have, you know, a rule set. And then like you guys had said, you know, narrative players or casual players are like, do I have to buy this too? Like, is it necessary? And we weren't really sure because uh, Arena had a lot going for it. You know, it was um, a simplified, you know, if you want to call it a simplified version of the game, because like you said, you, you only have the board, which is a two dimensional plane, and then you have minimal amounts of terrain. So this was a, a weird situation where competitive players are going to get what they want. And I'm going to talk about the competitive side here a little bit. But on the casual side, it was kind of I thought it was kind of nice because for 90 bucks uh, MSRP, you've got uh, a new rule book with all these new rules and different ways to play. Um, You got a basically you had a mobile tabletop with you because you had the board, which was the size you needed. You had the terrain, which was all you needed. Um, and then you just threw your models in the box and you could basically take because the, the arena box is pretty big. But if you want to, you could throw your models in a Ziploc bag, throw it in that box and you had everything you needed to just go over to a friend's house, throw it on their table and start playing. And that's a lot easier than traditional 3D, you know, standard Warhammer where you need, you know, a lot, a lot more terrain than what you can generally fit in a box of that size. And so um, me and my friends had a blast because we could throw it on pretty much any table, you know, a coffee table, dinner table, game table, and we could play a game like we could set up the game in about maybe five minutes, if that, because, you know, the missions were very clear. They're very succinct where the terrain went was listed clearly on the mission packet and you just brought your kill team and you started setting up and going, which isn't something you can do with standard 3d terrain as quickly like it might take an extra you know 15 or 20 minutes to you know get all your terrain out set it up blah 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 where as opposed to you know you have some some cans and some doors and some you know ankle high boxes you just throw them on the table and you're good so i think on the casual side this was a really great entry point because if you literally had nothing like you have no kill team, no nothing. You can buy a kill team, you can buy arena, the core rule book, obviously some glue to put your stuff together. And that was it. Like you could start playing immediately. And uh, it was really easy for me at our local shop to get people to come and try it because instead of trying to wrap your mind around, you know, horizontal and vertical movement, you could just say, hey, do you play board games? Yeah, come try this because you could wrap your mind around, okay, you know, these characters have a movement value. They can't really go up or down because there's no vertical movement. Um, you know, you can shoot with dice, you can melee with dice. You know, there's all these abilities that revolve around uh, a die roll, but it's not so complex that you can't teach it in a matter of minutes. And I think elites on the casual side brought in a lot of people who didn't really understand how to play the game but because they saw that it wasn't on you know that super intimidating you know six by four terrain table with all the stuff on it it's like oh it's a board game i have board games i can you know understand how these models work because it looks like a game i already own you know um i liked arena and what it offered now 
going on to the competitive side, which is what a lot of people, you know, in the competitive area were super excited about. We started to get cooler um, options to play, like the secondary objectives, which I think were brilliant. You have these, you know, secret objectives that you get to pick from that will help complement your team. Because at this point in the competitive landscape, um, everything coming out of the core rulebook, or, you know, if you were using like a Nova mission packet, was kind of bland like it was just your army versus their army trying to capture a point and if you succeeded that was pretty much it there wasn't any way to avoid a snowball mechanic uh there wasn't any like you know mechanic that allowed you to come back from behind with like hey i can go over to a secondary objective and score victory points it was basically like hey if you capture these uh spots on the map you get X amount of victory points. And if you supersede your opponent for like more than two turns, they probably can't catch up to you. Um, Arena said, hey, we're going to kind of change some of that and give you these cards that say, if you do these other things in conjunction with the primary objective, you can gain additional victory points. And so it gave players a new way to play the game. You could uh, focus on your secondary objectives because they scored so many victory points that you could kind of play the game a different, like you didn't have to play the game the way Games Workshop wanted you to play, where you have to capture points A, B, and C. You could capture point A and then complete objectives two and three secretly and then contest objective C. So like each army now had this new fluidity in how the game was being played. And I think that opened up a a huge... Uh, floodgate for the game as a whole because no longer was it one you have to play the game in one direction you can now play the game in multiple directions and it allowed all kinds of players all kinds of play styles and a lot more kill teams to be viable on the tabletop you guys have any thoughts on that no i think he summed it up really well i mean maybe the only other thing to include in there is how arena changed up the uh i mean you, you already mentioned the landscape up there going from 3d to 2d and secondaries but it really allowed a lot of other teams to kind of come into their stride uh thinking about orcs uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean yeah because uh since this came out before elites this was the the real big game changer for factions that didn't have new rules or any new abilities coming in because of that 3d down to 2d and because of those walls providing plenty of line of sight blocking like it allowed others to shine yeah and i think what was really cool was um previously you really hadn't seen um certain factions hit the table like star striders which a lot of us like or even the geller pox infected um just because at that point in the meta you know death guard was really prominent because if you had these super tanky armies or like necrons or you had like um you know spamming plasma weapons with imperial guard like you you had to kind of play competitive kill team with a super resilient list where it was really hard to take a model off the table or you put just a bunch of cheap models on the table and they just had really good weapons to try and you know plank off your opponent the the issue with that is if you have a, a list that's kind of squishy you know looking at star striders or orcs and you don't have means to keep your models out of line of sight they're just gonna get either blown off the table or you're gonna put flesh wounds on them and they're gonna be so inefficient that it's like okay i don't know why i'm here so seeing 
arena changed the dynamic of hey you can play your favorite kill team on this new two-dimensional board where there isn't just like at the start of the game you don't have line of sight to your opponent like there's walls and there's corridors and there's rooms and there's hallways and you can use those to your advantage to keep not only your models alive but you can start to play with these new kill teams that you've purchased that you know when you took to your store before you know arena came out and you started playing on the 3d terrain you're like oh man this guy seems really terrible and then you go into elites you're like oh they're really not that bad in elites i like this and it also helps that both the geller pox and the eleusidian star striders were built for corridor combat so even though they're like an expansion team they can thrive in that competitive space because of that's that's how they were meant to function in Rogue Trader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think a lot of players were happy because, um, especially my local shop, like I had bought Rogue Trader, a couple other people bought Rogue Trader, and we tried it on 3D terrain. And it was like these are not good. And then when Elites came out, or I'm sorry, when Arena came out, we were like, wait, this looks just like Rogue Trader. Let's give them a shot. And it was like, oh, these uh, these are much, much better. Uh, orcs had a huge bonus, too, because I like playing orcs. And I was like, man, orcs are way, way, way better here. Um, it also kind of nerfed, like you were saying earlier, uh, Russ, about like, you know, Tau drone spam. That wasn't super prominent yet. But we were starting to figure out that like the flip belt mechanic was really powerful. We could just jump over large pieces of terrain um tau drones were very powerful because they could just fly over um and disappear out of line of sight if you know you didn't have a way to follow them it was like that sucks but now when you're in this indoor area like you can't do those shenanigans anymore so you had to start playing a different method of tau or a different way of harlequins and i don't think that was a bad thing it just opened up new strategies for pilots to discover because now if you show up to a tournament you could see arena or you could see 3d now of course they would like tell you beforehand they wouldn't just roll a die and be like all right here you go um but you you needed to learn two different ways to play kill team and for me that just means more time to play with my friends and i think that was great because there it was fresh it was different Uh, It changed up the lists I would use and it would bring opportunities for lists that weren't good in 3D terrain onto the 2D terrain. Not to get too far off topic, but as someone who's, excuse me, new to the hobby, but I hear about some of the older stuff, like I hear about Space Hulk all the time, but those games are not available. You can do Space Hulk with Arena. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Space Hulk, if you've never played Space Hulk and you can find someone that has it, you should play it. Um, it is a very expensive game because it's out of print. But uh, Space Hulk is one of my favorite games because I guess this is a little rabbit trail. But you're you're playing as uh, Space Marines on a Space Hulk freighter, and it's infected by um, what do you call it? Tyranids. So the Tyranids are overpowered. You only have a minimal amount of crew members, and it's definitely not in your favor to survive. So all you have to do is just survive the game. And it's terribly, terribly difficult. It's very thrilling. You generally lose. And um, I think that 
that kind of experience does translate very well into arena, especially if you have the, you know, Tyranid player versus the Space Marine player. It's super, super fun. But um, I think Games Workshop made a strong decision with arena and um, we still see its uh, effect in the current 2020 design and meta because that's what a lot of people are playing competitively or that's what they're playing if they only have an hour at the shop hey i can play some kill team but i've only got an hour okay bring your arena we'll throw it together play a game we're done because you can you can get a game done in like what 30 minutes if that with arena it's pretty quick yeah i haven't played uh, arena again but i have seen people go really fast with it and i mean you can do it with a regular kill team game too depending on the mission but not all of them can be done in 30 minutes uh so moving on to march we had adepticon 2019 and uh, not not anything like super special happened there like um i went it was a lot of fun um going again it's my favorite miniature convention of the year by far um, if you are in the area or you have the capacity to go, I highly recommend coming out to Adepticon 2020. It's going to be great. Uh, everyone is super nice. The, the only complaint I have is the Wi-Fi at the convention is terrible. Maybe they'll fix that. Um, I have unlimited data on my phone, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. But uh, the food is great. The parking is fine. The convention area is great. The weather's fantastic. Um, it's super laid back. You've got a lot of casual people you've got a lot of competitive people but everyone is uh very laid back i haven't met any tryhards to be honest um you can go and see thousands of people hundreds of tables of like people playing games there's all kinds of stuff you're going to see like all kinds of models and dioramas and paint schemes and you know last year there was a group of people who dressed up as harlequins and there's the people who dressed up as uh, orcs and like there, there's just all these really cool things happening at the convention that you can participate in um but in terms of kill team uh not much happened in adepticon like we didn't see any major changes to the game system uh they used 3d terrain because arena was too new so we didn't see a uh official Let's see, Arena. I think the first major Arena tournament was maybe Nova of last year, because I don't know if there's anything between Adepticon and Nova, because there's there's uh, LVO is at the start of the year. SoCal Open is... Maybe that's in the summer? I can't remember if SoCal is before or after Nova. I think BAO is after Nova. Um, but anyways, uh, March is fun. Come to Adepticon. It's a blast. Uh, moving forward, uh, Jeffrey March, April, it was anything in April. Cause I know May was, uh, elites and that was a pretty big launch. Yeah. I don't think anything really happened much in April. So we kind of had a bit of a, you know, quote unquote lull coming from, you know, January, February was, uh, big launches. Now we have March. So we have a big convention, um, at Adepticon, they did, uh, they had been previewing elites and they had been teasing it. So we knew it was coming soon. Um, so April was a kind of a, uh, a preview month. I think elites was hinted at kind of heavily at Adepticon. That's kind of when they started the push for, you know, kill teams got something coming. Um, so we move into May and elites hits the table. And this this was a pretty impactful book because we had uh, the core rule book, 
Then we had Commanders, which uh, we all kind of said, hey, if you want to play casually, this is fun, but uh, otherwise, don't pick it up. Uh, Arena hits the table, and everyone who's competitive, you have to pick it up. And then Elites comes out, and we get a lot of options for a lot of factions. And then we get the sub-factions, which are even cooler. And the community was kind of split on, do you need to buy it? Do you not need to buy it? And so let's talk a little bit about when Elites came out. What were your thoughts on that book? Oh, I was so excited. I was just stoked. I mean, the sub-faction bonuses alone, we were all waiting for, right? But I mean, we also got Custodes in there. So we got that new team. We got more tactics. We got more models. Uh, But I think my favorite part of the Elites book that came out, besides the expansion of the models and the rules, was the reserves. Being able to like deep strike people in there. Um, we didn't have that in Kill Team before. And it, it was a real game changer. I remember people talking like, oh man, orcs are going to have trouble now. You can't just hide your Gretchen leader there. Or, you, know, <laughs> you, you can't bring your little cultists with your chaos marines and expect them to hide behind a barrel anymore. Someone's going to drop a Terminator on you. And I mean, yeah, we found out that's partially true, but you can still bring those guys. But Oh, it's just so cool to get that uh, the book to come out. Yeah, I was very excited to get my hands on Elites. Uh, I bought that one as soon as it came out. That was a must get. Um, I was very happy to see the width and breadth of everything that they were adding. Um, being, again, that I'm so new to it, I'm still swimming in the uh, Space Marines pool. So that's the first thing that I look at. Um, so to see them bring in like brand new characters, like all the Vanguard Phobos Marines, and then also bring in veterans and Terminators was great for me. I was like, okay, I guess I got to buy those guys now because they're super rad. Uh, but then they also introduced, uh, I got this, uh, not, uh, the, uh, custodians. There we go. And, you know, seeing like, yeah, your kill team is like three guys. It's like, that's interesting. It's a very different way of doing it. You know, when I'd been hearing that for a long while, you just wanted as many bodies as you could afford, you know, within reason, like bodies are going to win the game more often than not. And you're, we're going to try a team of three. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll give that a shot. Uh, I'm yeah, or, yeah. A team of two. Um, and as I'm learning more and more, and you know, I'm I'm now in the camp of why not Sisters of Silence too? That'd be, an, <laughs> that'd be interesting to add, or a team of two, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and they um, I, usually when I'm playing Kill Team, I'm playing extremely casual. Like I'm I'm usually the more knowledgeable one, so I'm teaching people a lot how to play. So things like having reserves, I'm like I'm not, yes. not going to burden <laughs> yes. these new people with like now put these guys over here. You'll you'll use them later. It's usually like, here's some cool guys to put on the table and having things like the Lord of Contagion for the Death Guard, like that was very cool because that's in a lot of the starter sets. So a lot of these characters I can start adding into uh, from from the more easily obtained uh, starter boxes. So they're, they're, again, making it very, very easy to to get you into this game models that we wouldn't have been able to use before like oh now you can and they're they're doing such a fantastic job of making this a, a reason to invest in more models and uh they're, they're they're doing a very good job of of taking you by the hand and saying you'd, you'd like to buy more right make a uh 
uh, that's called a patrol detachment in full 40k you could have several of those you know yeah i remember when this book came out um every single person i was playing kill team with bought it and uh at the time i was living in dallas so i would go to the citadel up in grapevine and i think for maybe a month month and a half we were just trying anything and every we were proxying like crazy like we were like do we want to buy custodus so we would just take like two or three terminator models and be like these are custodus let's see what happens and uh we found out that they can kill pretty much anything they look at but they cannot contest or capture objectives very well um but we started doing um uh fight nights where we would just bring we'd <laughs> we got we started doing stupid things where we would say okay you can only bring three models and have to be the most three expensive models from your kill team it doesn't matter what the po- point cost is and uh, we're just going to roll dice and butt heads and we we would just put them in a small box like they wouldn't even have to move to attack they'd just be in an attack area and it was a stupid fun um custodists are super godlike in that um, but then we would try like, you know, um, battle suits for Tau. We would try Terminators. We tried Court Berserkers and we tried like we tried everything. And it was just so much fun because uh, we weren't actually trying to play competitive games. We just wanted to see how the models worked. We wanted to see how the team composition worked. Was it fun? Uh, was 120 points, 125 points better than 100 points could you do you know 100 points with elites uh, we tried 200 points with elites we tried we tried everything 150 points it was it was super fun like of all the releases i can remember uh, elites was the most um what's the word i'm looking for it was the most test based book that ever came out where we were trying to figure out how everything worked because we just wanted to know what is what is what like what here is competitive what here is casual what here is trash what here is just super super good of course like we didn't own everything so sometimes we would just fake proxy models and say okay these you know drukari are now tyranids because we just didn't have them let's see what they do and uh elites i think had the biggest effect on the game for fun because the sub factions are amazing the new models are fun. Um, most of them are not competitive. Like if we're really honest about it, like you're probably not going to see a, a crisis battle suit in a hundred point list. Uh, if the competitive games start to shift upwards to the 125 point mark, it is possible. Uh, but that is still something that's being tested within the competitive community right now is whether to stick with the hundred points that Games Workshop. Uh, built as the standard or to try the 120 125 point maybe even 150 point uh, option that elites came out with but um i think the sub factions were um fantastic like i kind of hope 2020 we might see expansions on those like everyone gets an extra three or four sub faction options uh more chapters for space marines would be great um you know any any thoughts on what you kind of want like Elites opened up this big box of potential what ifs. Is there anything you want to see from 2020 that could build off of what elites kind of started? Uh, the, the the one thing that, along with the sub factions, because again I'm paying a lot of attention to Space Marines, although it was kind of hard not to in 2019 because they sure as heck released a lot of Space Marine stuff in 2019. Uh, the one thing that I thought we'd get either in elites or 
uh, it, I think it came out after Elite, so I guess not in Elites, but maybe in the annual. By the time the annual came out, I thought we would get all the new um, Astartes, uh, uh, their innate abilities from 40k. The Angels of Death, like they're they're not the um, not the doctrines, not not the doctrines, but like their their bolter uh, abilities, their charging abilities. Um, but we we didn't get like the the bolter reworks added into kill team unless i'm mistaken and someone do correct me but so i was a little bit disappointed with that and they they could still be ironing out uh some balance issues on that um because i mean that just makes them that much better but they should be and of course it applies for all the star across the board not just one faction yeah i think that's a good call out because there's uh one of the issues i have with teaching 40k players to play kill team is when they don't get bolter discipline right or some of the other rules that they're used to having but uh, yeah, there's a lot of 40k rules that could be adapted. But I, you know, I'm happy with Kill Team. It's simple right now. If you look at like what has more rules, or you know, it's it can get real complicated real fast. I I think the one thing that elites didn't really do for me that I was bummed out about is I was hoping for a narrative expansion for the campaign. So I I love D and D, and I DM a lot. And one of the things I thought would have been really cool to take advantage of in the campaign setting for kill team is uh, expanding on the injuries and expanding on flaws, right? So making special conditions that come with, you know, some benefit, but also a flaw would have been really cool to see. So if your guy got hit, you roll and it turns out he's got a leg injury well, his movement characteristic permanently goes down, but maybe it gives them some other bonus of some kind, or you were able to make uh, three charges over 10 inches. Like that gives you this bonus where you always have it, but now you can no longer fall back from combat because you're getting like this bloodlust mentality. Um, some other things to kind of wrap in that narrative and build that story. Cause I, I just love the story aspect. And I mean, those that are used to making up their own narrative and their own story, like we can build in, but it would have been so cool to see some actual like rules for that or some suggestions or even just some random tables to roll on. I know the annual came out with your own specializations, but I really felt like elites could have done more on the campaign side of things. All right. So moving along from elites, which I think was a huge hit from Games Workshop, um, we go into June and July, which I know we had another White Dwarf release for um, the Chaos Demons. And then uh, there was a couple other things, I believe, that came out. What, what else was there? Yeah, we also got rules for playing Kill Team in the Blackstone Fortress setting. And uh, we got an Inquisitor Eisenhorn that could come as a commander. And at some point, uh, there was a, a not very big uh, article for tilting rules for Commissar Severina Rain. Oh, yeah, that happened back in uh, that, February. That, yeah, but blink and you miss it. It's like even now, if, even if I know what issue it's in, I go in there and try to find it. <laughs> it's just a little, little bit, little box. But yeah, it was, it was really cool to finally get rules for demons. I mean, I think everybody was waiting for that. We knew it was coming just because of the Grey Knight rules. Um, also harlequins get special bonuses against things with the slanesh keyword but it was really limited to what what demons were there right we were, we were all wondering like where are demons they're mentioned in other rule sets and then they finally came in and i mean they brought another psychic faction to the game which is pretty limited i mean you got what just gray knights thousand suns uh, chaos demons now and then servants of the abyss i think had a cultist like a rogue psyker or something they could use and so that i think that was a pretty big drop and I mean, I don't think there was a whole lot of swirl around it, right? Everybody was really excited to start playing them and testing them out, and we're stoked to see them in the next tournament and see how they did. 
yeah, I, I don't play demons myself, but I think it was kind of an ironic, I guess, thematic fail that I think around this time was a, about the one year mark for Kill Team's release in 2018. And in the core rulebook, when the game first came out, there were very clearly um, designed rules for like the Grey Knights to crush demons. And we were like, where are said demons? Like, you know, they're they're kind of a big part of the 40k lore. You have, you know, your quote-unquote good guys and your quote-unquote bad guys. You know, the chaos demons are coming from the warp and you have to protect them with the emperor. And it's like, but there's there's no demons. Like, how do we do that? Like, who are the bad guys? And so everyone jumped on the Tau and they were the bad guys for some odd reason. But um, it was interesting because I remember when the launch like when they printed the demon rule set the for some odd reason i find this bizarre it seemed like the only people who were happy were the demon players and everyone else was like yay um and in my local meta no one played demon so i actually haven't seen them yet because everyone already had a kill team and it was either i don't play demons or i don't care to buy another kill team because I've already got, you know, two or three and, you know, whatnot. So I, I am interested to see how demons play on the table. Um, because even at like Nova in 2019, I think I maybe saw one player with demons on the table. And uh, I really haven't, even like when I was playing at, you know, um, the Citadel, like I just did not see a lot of kill team demons players. So if you're a demons player, you know, let us know in the chat comments, you know, what, what you think about them. Cause uh, I'm pretty much oblivious to um, the demons just because a lot of people who play chaos are like, you know, the corn berserkers are just so good or, you know, your death guard. Um, there's there's other options in that chaos environment that seem to be better, but I don't know personally. I'm the most surprised that we did not see a kill team branded box release for this. Yeah, it wouldn't have been really hard to do. I mean, they have the models, just put them together. I mean, understandably, maybe not pink horrors because the pink horrors and the blue horrors and the brimstones come separately. But I mean, throwing some blood letters together in a five pack of uh, Grey Knights wouldn't have been hard. Because I mean, the the Grey Knight sprues are still like in the five man box. For those of you who don't know, uh, they're now 10 man squads that they come in, but it's just two five man squads that they throw the same sprues into the box. So they could have done it. Yeah. Part of me wonders like where Games Workshop's head was with that just because like like I said previously, de- demons are kind of a clutch, you know, faction that a lot of people play. They're they're important in the lore. They're important as characters. They're fun to play for you know the people who play them. But they're you know it's kind of like if you played Pokemon and you just were like, okay, there's no Pikachu. You're like, well, isn't that kind of a relevant thing to Pokemon? Well, yeah, yeah, it'll just come later after the game's been launched for you know a year. And you're like, wait, why would you? Why? What was? What are you thinking? Um, so that, that was kind of my take on demons. I'm like, aren't you like six to eight months late on this release guys? Can we like, you know, whatever. But, uh, that's the summer moving into August. We had, um, something happened. So the Nova open was at the end of August into September, but I believe you guys were saying there was a kill team release, uh, earlier in August before Nova happened. Well, not, not a release, but I mean, we, we had the errata and the designers comments come out. Right. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) 
Yeah, you bet. So um, now we already had designers comments and errata out for a few things. For those of you who don't know, um, definitely go and check the errata and the designers comments. They have them out for each of the books. Uh, The designer comments are only for the core, but they answer a lot of questions, right? And uh, I, I think the biggest change, at least for the designer comments that came out in August, were clarifications on how charging works. So like, can you charge and uh, can I pile in and then target people? I declared them as a charge and they're like, no, no, no. If you did not have sufficient distance to make it to them, you can't use a three inch pile in to make it work. And uh, that, I mean, that had some pretty big changes there. They clarified the broken test for like, if you have an odd number of kill team, do you get to round up? So if you have uh, nine models in the kill team, half of that's four and a half. So do I get to round up to five is when I make break tests or do I get to, you know, treat that four and a half as a five and then make it after six models are out of action or flesh wounds. And they're like, no, 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 it's not how it works. You, you do it at five. Um, let's see what else did they have here. So tactical reroll, they clarified that if the weapon, uh, it's the off the damage characteristic that you roll for injury rolls. And so like, if you've got discussing the resilience or some kind of, uh, ability that allows you to ignore wounds as long as one of those wounds go through you use the damage characteristic of the weapon that's wounding you i so did like, not like that one <laughs> i bet you den does a death guard player <laughs> so but that that was a great qualification i mean guard got a nice little boost for missions uh, because we found out that the move 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 order could be used after a model falls back or retreats so if you got to get them someplace, they can definitely make it happen. Um, thankfully, and this was one of my favorite things, they really kind of came in on Tau and they clarified a few of their rule sets. Like, when do you proc for the greater good? And they said, no, you have to do it before you fire any Overwatch. Yep, that hurt too. Oh, I, I mean, Tau didn't need any help. but <laughs> No, no, Tau, Tau were very, very powerful at that point. Um, uh, my orcs took a bit of a hit because the original rule, like in the OG days for charging was, if you were within 12 inches, you could just target a model and say, hey, my orc boy that only moves like five inches is going to target your model way over there that's 11 and a half inches away. And I'm going to charge him. And, you know, anything would be better than five inch movement. So you roll your two dice and it's like, cool, I got like nine inches. And what you could do is you could move up to nine inches. And as long as you moved towards the opponent, it worked. So you could move five, six, seven, eight, eight and a half, eight and three quarters or nine inches in a relatively squiggly. It didn't like the rules didn't care as long as you just moved closer and then with the designer commentary, they said, no, 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 we're going to change that. Uh, because what you would do with your orcs is you would just kind of cheat the game and hopefully be within 12 inches of a model and you would just get extra movement. So now they said, A, you have to charge in a straight line and you either have to charge what you rolled in a maximum distance or you charge nothing. So you couldn't do what I was doing and move, you know, six or seven inches. If you roll 10, you had to either go 10 inches in a straight line or do nothing. And so you, you kind of took a hit for these slower moving factions like orcs and death guard because you could no longer just kind of half-heartedly charge people because you didn't really care about the charge you cared about the movement distance because your character moved 
so slowly. Um, and that was, I think, a huge, huge change to the game because no longer would you see the Death Guard moving you know, down the field so quickly because they would just charge you and it's like, oh, I rolled 10 inches. I can't get to you. I don't care. I only really needed to move nine so I could get into, uh, you know, cover and sit on this objective. Cool. I don't charge you, but I'm exactly where I want to be. So uh, it was a very interesting change in the game. But um, like you were saying, uh, Russ, that <laughs> there were so many things that helped, I think, balance the game. Like just because I don't like a nerf doesn't mean it's not healthy for the game state there was there was a lot Uh, any other thoughts on uh those rule adjustments because it did impact uh nova for the tournaments yeah i'm looking at all the uh the other areas right now to see if there's something that i i missed um yeah yeah. i mean it's nice that they highlight things in magenta uh so you can see what's going on but you still got to go through each individual yeah the the clarifications for tau were pretty big because you had to choose when to use for the greater good they explained um when you could do um the damage off onto a drone i can't remember what that's called save your protocols Uh, save your protocols yeah they had a big errata for save your protocols um the guard did get that boost where you could do uh, move, move, move. Uh, there was there's a lot of quality of life adjustments that Kill Team needed at that point because you as the player could take the rules as written and kind of break the game, which the best explanation was what I explained with the charging is you would have a model that is designed to be slower. You know, orcs are slower, death guard are slower. That's just how they are in the lore, in the fluff, and it's represented in their character profile. But you could use the rules as written to charge people just to get an extra, you know, three, four, five inches out of their movement, which was never intended. Like the whole reason you charge someone is to get into melee combat and punch them in the face. But we discovered that the game was not as robust as it should have been. So you could use charging to say, okay, my four inch guy can now move, you know, on average, you know, you have a 50% chance of rolling six inches on 2d6. So as, as long as you were less than six inches, there was no reason not to charge because you could probably get a free inch. And if you got lucky, you know, you might get seven or eight or nine, 10 inches. Great. I'll put that to good use. That's double what my printed move speed is. I'll do it. And you're like, especially with pox walkers, you know, when they only have a four inch move and they can't shoot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. People got annoyed the first time I did that. Cause they're like, why are you charging me? I'm like, my model moves four inches. And it's like, I move eight inches. Well, you can't get to me. Oh, I don't need to get to you. I just need to like move them around and get them to different places. As long as they're somewhat closer to you, it's a legal move. And so it was kind of this weird game where, you know, like Poxwalkers are supposed to be these slow zombie characters, but you see them make an eight inch charge and it's like, what? What? Why? Oh, you know, they're just going to go sit on that objective over there. Uh, okay. Like it, it just kind of defeated the purpose of the game. It felt dumb. Like even when I did it, it was kind of like, this seems stupid. Uh, one other thing that the Arida did, by the way, is they got rid of stealth as one of the specialisms. So if you guys don't remember what stealth is, that was the one where uh, you were always considered ready, regardless of what you've done the turn before. Oh, yeah, I remember that. No, I, don't, I never used that. <laughs> well, it, for like suppressors, 
from the the Vanguard box set. I mean, you'd fly him up the field and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm ready. I'm about to shoot you with an autocannon that has special abilities. So that's, uh, I mean, that that was kind of an, I mean, it was one of those things that I think was an interesting idea. And I'm sure when they were playtesting it, they were like, oh yeah, this is really cool. People are going to love this. But then they realized what they did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, the errata had a, a very heavy impact on what Kill Team was going to look like for the rest of the year. And moving forward, uh, Nova 2019 happened at the end of August going into uh, the first weekend of September, or the first week of September. So I believe it was um, 28th, 29th, 30, 31st of September. And all of those new erratas were in place. And um, I had <laughs> I had signed up to play competitively for Kill Team, and then I saw my friends and started playing board games and started hanging out and realized, you know what, all the money I spent is going to charity, so I'm fine. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to goof off. Uh, I saw some listeners and, and went through some of the logistics of playing uh, their army in arena because they had only played on 3d terrain and i just kind of got lost in the convention and i didn't actually play my pod that i paid for but i had a lot of fun i did go up and see uh some games played and talk to some friends and um not much really to report i mean the the rules had definitely affected the game but you know you still saw a lot of the top tier armies at the tables you know we had great pilots we had great armies you know you saw tau you saw uh, death guard there was necrons i saw star striders i saw uh, demons uh, space marines everything you can imagine like there was a nice big mix of like lists models everything was great nova was a lot of fun and it was good to see all the pods. I believe all the pods were full or very close to being full, if I remember correctly. It was a really good event. Uh, there were just tons and tons of people playing uh, Kill Team and, you know, all war games of any possible imagination. Um, like I said, I, I just had a major problem with the fact that the AC didn't super work well uh, if you got to the higher uh, floors at the convention center and their escalators and elevators didn't work half the time. So that was a big problem, but um, it was fun. Nonetheless, like I don't hate Nova. It's just, there was some mechanical thing like with the transportation issue, it just made it really hard to get from one floor to the other, which just is a very big inconvenience. Uh, but moving forward, we take, you know, the errata, we take the designer's commentary we see that Nova, a lot of people are, you know, trying out new things or applying the new changes to the rules to their list. And then we go into September and you guys were telling me that we had a, an interesting launch for uh, Escalation stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we got rules for the new Blackstone Fortress Escalation box, which, I mean, the Cultists of the Abyss gave a little bit more variety to the Servants of the Abyss. So it was like expanding out on those, which was really cool to see. But uh, then we more cultist models is always good. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we also got all those explorers, right? And uh, they they didn't come into their own teams like the other Blackstone Fortress models. Instead, they were able to supplement other teams Um, like Admech, Astromiltarum. Some could go into multiple teams. So it's kind of refreshing to see. um, And they were all retainers, right? So they didn't count against your specialists that you could take. So it was a it was a nice 
it was a nice way to add in and uh, kind of get some new models and give some more play for people that have the Blackstone Fortress and also play Kill Team. I need fully playable Rogue Trader Faction GW. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. I, I would love that, too. All right. So moving forward into October, November, December, getting ready for the Kill Team Annual, was there any other major announcement or release uh, other than i mean there were sisters of battle uh they they got their rules in the annual so i'm kind of lumping them in there with um the kill team annual 2019 in december but was there something else in those uh two and a half months before then there there was in september it was actually the tail end of August were the pre-orders for the first, I think, for the second week release of September was the new starter box, which is a whole big thing because they they did not make enough copies of the original starter. Uh, I was lucky to get that, and I only got it really for the rules and the terrain because I I was you know being brand new like Adeptus Mechanicus and Gene Steelers meant nothing to me. As a brand new person, you know, like you've discussed before on the show, like Space Marines, first they see that's the thing that like, ooh, look at this guy. You want you want to buy this, right? He's the poster boy, literally. Uh, so with this new box set, they give you repackages of previously released Kill Team stuff, which is very good for people that missed out on Wave 1. But as someone who bought a bunch of Wave 1, I, you know, I wasn't as thrilled about it. Because it's a repackage of the Fangs of Ulfric Space Wolves kill team, so five Reavers uh, supplied with a little bit with uh, some uh, some Space Wolves transfers, and the Tau, a uh, ten man Pathfinder, and I think two drones, uh, Advanced Team Star Pulse box. Uh, I think it was the Warriors, wasn't it? Oh, was it Fire Warriors? I thought it was Pathfinders. Oh my! I'll have to. I have the box downstairs, but it, in any event, it's. It, uh, it's it's 10, 10 dudes, drones, um, and then they packed in the Sector Mechanicus uh, terrain set uh, instead of the Sector Imperialis terrain set. Uh, both very, very good. I mean, this is a great box, especially if you missed Killzone Sector Mechanicus the first time because um, they really made those... Well, they've made every Kill Team branded box because they're all great value super limited run when they release a kill team branded box and the the value is there for you get it because it's going to be impossible to find except for on ebay for hundreds of dollars so yeah you got space wolves tau mechanicus terrain it's still a great value i highly encourage anyone that's interested to get it especially if you're just starting out yeah and i mean even if you're not too excited for the uh the factions that come in it um i mean those Primaris Reavers, really easy to build, really easy to paint, great models to learn on. If they're not your primary, you can use them as like your test painting models and stuff. But uh, I mean, the terrain alone, I mean, kind of pays for itself for that with the rules. So I'd say pull the trigger if you see it. Yeah, this was kind of the the one thing that um, Games Workshop was under scrutiny for was they they created this really great game and their first initial starter set flew off the shelves and they didn't realize a it was going to be so popular and b they had no backup they made like one print run and they thought it would last them a year and i think at uh at adepticon they said it lasted like three months 
So they immediately had to jump into production to create a new box. And I, I still think that this box is available for sale because I see it in my local store. Um, so it's not just completely gone. But this was a, a big, big thing for newer players because the whole premise of Kill Team is the cost. If you ever look at miniatures, usually it's very intimidating because just to play the game, you need a lot of models and they're not cheap. And when you start to put two and two together, it comes up to you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Whereas Kill Team, and especially with the starter set, the whole idea is you and a mate, you know, that's how they say it. But you know, you and your friends go in on a 50-50 and you pay for half, they pay for half. So it's about $80. You get models, they get models, you share the rule book and you share the terrain, but you can start playing a miniature game for less than $100, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, if you if you would have said this five years ago, I would have laughed um, because the starting point for any miniature game was about two to three hundred dollars. So, you know, 80 bucks start. Pl- and, and I'm talking about like skirmish games, too. Like it was not, you know, these these new games from Fantasy Flight uh, where these you know, hundred dollar core sets you know, like Legion or Crisis Protocol, even like um, the new Flames of War stuff like everyone figured out that they need to reduce the cost of these miniature games and reduce the difficulty so that players can start to get inundated slowly. Like I was, I was one of the older people who started playing where I just happened to have a bunch of magic cards that were worth, you know, many hundreds of dollars. And so I went into a shop and said, Hey, I'm not playing this deck anymore. Uh, Can I just trade it for, all this Warhammer stuff. And they said, uh, sure, that's fine. And, you know, I may have dropped, you know, extra hundred or $200, but, you know, I walked out with maybe five, six, $700 worth of product. And I just started to read books and assemble models and I knew nothing. And I was just really lucky to have a, a tradable commodity to start playing. Whereas right now you don't need that. You just need, you know, a couple bucks, a friend and you can start playing a lot of different skirmish games. And I think that's really nice because, you know, you've got Kill Team and Warcry. Uh, if you're playing a sci-fi or a fantasy adventure kind of miniature game, you know, there's World War II games, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, having a a evergreen starter set for Kill Team is very important. And so we have one and it's two really good starter sets. Tau is fun. Space Marines are fun. I know they build it specifically for Space Wolves, but because Space Marines are hyper generic, you could just not put the wolf insignias on the model and paint them green and they're they're dark angels. Or you paint them red and they're blood angels. Like a lot of people ask, you know, do I have to play Space Wolves? Oh no, 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 no. No. They they could be whatever chapter you want. So in, in your imagination they could be, you know, ultramarines, you know, whatever. The the game is uh, flexible enough with paint schemes and whatnot that even though they're branded as space wolves, it's whatever space marine chapter you want. And I think that's good because that gives players a shooty army and a hybrid army. So regardless of what kind of style you want to play, it exists in that starter box. Oh, the, the terrain in that box is a little lacking, right? It doesn't come with scattered terrain or stuff that really fills the board. So like having the, uh, the ammo crates, barrels, of um, that one thirty thirty five dollars set with it really helps out. We're bringing something else to to put in between the larger like mechanist uh, terrain really helps out. 
But uh, besides that, yeah, I, I don't have any complaints. And uh, one thing, too, that you can do is you can piggyback off the set really easily, right? So you start with those Reavers, and maybe the Space Marines aren't really your thing, right? And you're like, I'd, I'd love to play something that's more lead or more special. Well, you dig into those uh, sub-factions, and that's great. Or, you know, you could just drop a quick another 15 bucks and get an upgrade sprue for Death Watch. Ooh. That's right, because those upgrade sprues really add a bit of flavor to them. And, I mean, there's other ones, too, like the Salamanders have them. And in, uh, in October, I think we got rules for Intercessors being able to take uh, hand flamers and melee weapons. So, I mean, there's there's a lot more, and it's a great building block spot. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was Pathfinders. Those are those rail rifles are a little powerful. Oh, they they get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I I do love playing Tau. I actually have a Tau Apocalypse army. I in in the box I need to build, which I'm not proud of admitting publicly. But well, maybe 2020 I'll build the whole thing. <laughs> That's right. Put it up on the paint challenge uh, uh, channel on the Discord. <laughs> more like building challenge, <laughs> assembly challenge. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think Games Workshop picked the uh, the appropriate two factions, or they picked two better factions than the original starter box because Admech versus uh, what was it, Tyranids? No, it was Gene, Gene Steeler. Steeler Cultists. Yeah, and yeah, it, I it was a a real poor choice on their part. I think. I mean, they're cool models, and I love them. They're newer sculpts, which is just great, and I like the narrative to them. But you couldn't get a whole hundred point team taking the Gene Steelers. Yeah, I, I completely ignored that box because I was like, I don't care about either of these. Also, I heard that rumor that you couldn't fill a full team. I'm like, that seems like a stupid thing to do. <sighs> I did get the box that night. I don't regret it. But I also love playing Admech, so. Oh, that's that's fair. I mean, I had so much Warhammer at that point. I was like, I just need the rulebook and I can start playing because I had terrain and everything just fine. Um, but the new the new core mechanic starter set, whatever you want to call it, it's it's good. It's available. Check it out. Um, moving forward, we have anything in October or November? Yeah, October we got the Vanguard reinforcement rules okay. and the White Dwarf, and so that uh, that amped up all of the Primaris Vanguards into Kill Team. So uh, infiltrators were currently in there from the Elite box, but the other. The other model that can be built from that box set are the Incursors. Those are the ones with like the Haywire Mine, which is kind of a cool oh, idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eliminators are now able to take the Last Fusil, which is like that sniper can or that, yeah, sniper cannon. Like, mix a Laz cannon with a sniper rifle and you get the Last Fusil. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we also saw Concealed uh, p- Positions, which is the rule where like Eliminators and Infiltrators, I'm not sure what other units have it, but for sure those two can be set up anywhere on the board that's uh, nine inches away, I think it is, from the uh, enemy deployment zone. So that's a real cool feature. Reavers didn't really get a whole lot, which was uh, a bit of a bummer, because I still think they're one of the coolest looking models <laughs> for oh, like, yeah. the new Space Marine sculpts. Yeah, Reavers but, are uh, beautiful. And they know they're going to be up in something else's face, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, why are they just bringing regular things? That's kind of the point. Give them like because they're supposed to be like stealthy assassin guys. Give them like a, a backstab ability or something. Make them like a rogue in D and D. Yeah, uh, the Reavers have very much no love. Their their sculpt is so beautiful. You are absolutely right. Like I could paint a buttload of those and be very happy. But when you hit the table, it's like they're not much better than a regular marine. Why? What is this? Well, they're kind of worse in some ways. I know, which is yeah. wrong. 
I mean, playing them as death watch goes well because you can use your ammo to beef up your pistol, right? So you can be rocking an AP3 pistol, which is fun, but it's still just like one shot. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know. right. I don't know about this game's workshop. What you what you doing over there? What you do? <laughs> uh, All right. Should we just uh, jump in and tackle December in the annual then? <laughs> yeah, so uh, just to kind of shorten up the year. So we get to the end of the year, and as we probably all expected, Games Workshop loves to reprint books and tell us what we need to know in the said book. Uh, so similar to 8th edition, where the chapter approved, we have a Kill Team annual, and basically that is a book, and I'm, I haven't ordered mine yet. I'm going to order, I promise. Um, I'm waiting for some more models for Marvel Crisis Protocol to come out in five, six days. And then I'm going to do a huge batch order instead of paying for shipping for a book and then shipping for models. I'm like, I'm just going to put them all together. Um, but you guys have it. So you can tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, does it cover everything we've talked about? Are there some missing um, uh, pieces of information? Like when you buy this book, what exactly are you getting? You are getting almost everything from the year's worth of White Dwarf articles related to Kill Team and some of the quote-unquote beta downloadable documents that have been put through their paces and they are 100% no argument official now. Things like Crute uh, was still in quote beta and demons were downloadable. All the Blackstone figures were still had never left a beta phase until now. Now they are in a book. They are in print, one hundred percent usable. And then some of the previously mentioned like errata design changes and uh, new points. Yeah, you you also got uh, for open play people. I mean, make your own specialism. I, I think I mentioned earlier I, I wanted more narrative stuff, so that kind of gives you a little bit of leverage there. But you got all the missions, it looks like, that came out of the uh, kill zones. And so for those of you who didn't know, each of the kill zones came with their own specialty missions, normally uh, faction-focused based on the factions that also provided uh, terrain for that kill zone. And so you, we got a ton more missions. I, I guess technically they're not new missions because they're already out, but they're all in one place. They're all well-displayed. All the points are in one place, which is really helpful if you're checking things. But we also got new tactics, which for some factions really hurt, but others really helped. Uh, for example, for those of you who've ever played against Space Marines, you know well the Death Denied tactic. And I think, isn't it in the annual where that went up to 3CP? Yep, that one went up to 3CP. That was a, that was a big discussion point because before the annual... Uh, Nova in 2019 had made a uh, official ruling that Death Denied would be 3CP at that tournament specifically. And there was a huge, huge kerfuffle in the community about it, uh, whether it was good, whether it was bad. It seems like it was probably a testing point because now it's an official rule. But that was that was a huge um, discussionary topic for Kill Team at the time during August, whether, you know, Space Marines were dead or Games Workshop is being stupid and nerfing like their best faction or for selling points. Um, You know, why nerf a faction that isn't competitive in the first place? So on and so forth. It was it was an interesting discussionary topic. Yeah. And then, I mean, every faction, it seems either got uh, new tactics or they confirmed tactics from like their box set releases with their little cards with some minor tweaks here and there. 
Um, like Death Guard got a big boost. I know one of my favorite things for them was, uh, and I mean, this is also a bit narrative, right? Leaking brain fluid for Poxwalkers. If you've ever played Death Guard or played against them, like, you know, a Poxwalker is great until it gets a flesh wound. Then it's almost guaranteed to fail its next nerve save. And yeah. It's shaking. It can't hold points. Well, leaking brain fluid's like, ah, that's okay. He's leaking out the brain fluids. He's not afraid. He doesn't know what's going on. That's <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, that that's fun. And it also makes them more competitive, right? You get more mileage out of your little poxy guys, but. A lot of different factions got new rules or confirmed those ones from those box sets. And that's just so cool. Uh, Harlequin Stew, again, Harlequin player. We got some really cool stuff. Oh, really nice. underhanded. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to sit down and read the book. I, I don't need it right now, so I knew I could wait. But I am excited to look at it. Now, I did hear before we move on that orcs got hurt. Everything got increased by like one point for all their models. Like there's some kind of like print error or something like what what happened with that what was that debacle yeah i'm flipping to it right now um i think the debacle was they made the the chop account as one point right there was yeah there was some yes instead of being baked in oh is that what the problem was because I, I saw people complain they're like well it works are dead because now they all cost one point for no reason i was like yep why i guess okay so their weapons now cost an extra point for, for the chopper yeah, that seems just, dumb. That's that's their jam. It's the thing they're best at is charging. Huh. That's really sad because I I think orcs are one of the more fun uh, hybrid armies in terms of casual competitive, and they have a lot of options. You can do like a shooty list or a melee list or a flamethrower shooty hybrid. You can do like commandos. Like orcs have so many different approaches to the game. So nerfing them seems dumb because <laughs> it's an easy easy way to sell an army to a player who's like i want to be uh sneaky okay play commandos i want to shoot things play ludas i want to burn them with fire okay play flamers i want to spam models okay orc boys i want to you know have heavy punching knobs like almost any kind of play style the orc list has and it's so they're so easy to paint and they're fun and they're goofy and you know, someone who's never played Warhammer probably knows what an orc is anyway. So it's like an easy connection point. That doesn't that's that's very sad. I'm very sad. Well, and I mean, the the Choppa point increase happened in the elite books. But I think for that one, it was only meant to apply to the noms, which I mean, you know, that that makes sense. But I'm, I'm really hoping that's just a misprint. I mean, we haven't gotten any uh, erratas for the annual yet. So hopefully that'll be dialed back. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, hopefully we'll have maybe similar to, you know, Adepticon in twenty eight or twenty nineteen. We'll get an errata uh, somewhere before between LVO and Adepticon where they they make an adjustment. But um, we're gonna we're gonna speed this through because we're a little bit over on recording time. But twenty nineteen we talked about. Uh, let's move into twenty twenty just for the next few moments before we wrap up the show. Um, and then real quick, like we're literally gonna wrap this up and you know, end the show, but Adepticon, it's right around the corner. It's at the end of March. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to uh, at this convention? Kill Team are not related because it's it's so minis heavy. Um, you know, you're probably going to have a little bit of Kill Team in that topic, but, um, you know, what are you excited to see going to, you know, Adepticon coming up here uh, in Chicago? Yeah, I was going to say, I am looking forward to getting to just play some games with you guys and other folks from the Discord who know what they're doing better than I do, and I can learn better. And yeah, I'm going to bring a couple kill... And this is the great thing about skirmish games. I'm going to bring a couple of kill teams. 
I'm going to bring a couple of Warhammer Underworlds teams. And since I'm driving to Chicago from Indy, uh, I'm going to pack some Star Wars Legion too. Yeah, well, uh, this is going to actually be my first large-scale tournament that I'm going to. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to compete, so I was still on the waiting list for that, but maybe they'll expand the kill team list. Uh, one way or another, though, I'm still really stoked to go for the, what, four or five days that's there. Um, checking out vendors, looking at all the new stuff, meeting people. It's uh, it's going to be a, a pretty big event for me since I've never been at something that scale. Uh, over here by the Twin Cities, we've got Renegade that happens in the fall. Um, but uh, Adepticon's much larger with all kinds of more vendors, different releases. So really stoked for that. And I'm also excited because I know we've been talking on the uh, Discord about getting together for a squad tactical event. So that sounds pretty cool and exciting. Yeah, bring your kill team. We can definitely do some games and hang out. But yeah, we're we're going to do an event. We haven't picked a day. I think we're looking at Thursday or Friday. Those are the two votes. I think they've had the most. My my Shadespire my Shadespire Stormcast have got a uh, just a pack of Griffhounds to add to them, and they're ready to do some Warcry. <laughs> nice. We get a chance to try that out then. Yeah. So I'm bringing I'm bringing Kill Team. I'm bringing some Marvel Crisis Protocol, and I might bring Warcry. I actually have not yet played a game, so I'm kind of interested in learning how to uh, maneuver that, but. All I got is I'm hoping for more chances to play because I am knee deep in models now at this point, and I'm I'm always ready. I'd love to try Warcry out. Uh, one of the the kill team tournaments that I participated in, the prize support for placing was uh, Warcry stuff. So I've got the cards for the uh, the cool Spectre looking dudes, but I I don't have any models for it yet because nobody in my area plays. <laughs> That's that's the problem I have too. Is I bought into it and then I moved, and no one's playing Warcry. I'm like, oops. Uh, but I believe we might see some resurgence in Games Workshops here, so I'm excited. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show once again, uh, Russ, aka Dyston, on the Discord channel, and Evan, aka EP Jellion, also on the Discord channel, and from Jotocast. Uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to say before we wrap up this year in review, which was a lot of fun, actually? I enjoyed kind of revisiting what Kill Team was all about in 2019. Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm really excited to see what 2020 holds. I know the January issue is coming out with new narrative rules right off the bat for uh, Kill Team. I, I don't have it yet, but uh, for the White Dwarf, for like dispositions for narrative play, so that's cool. I also got a ton of stuff over December, like either Christmas gifts or stuff that I bought myself that's probably going to last me the year. So really excited to build those out. For those of you who don't know, I'm an honorary member of Enemy Spotted Wargaming. Uh, we're a uh, YouTube channel that focuses primarily on Infinity, but we're branching out to Warhammer as well as Kill Team. We've got battle reports, hobby videos, and are even starting our own podcasts. And we'd love to have you. And you can catch me on the Jotocast, the Star Wars gaming podcast, because we talk about all kinds of Star Wars gaming, video games, so we talk about Fallen Order and Battlefront, uh, older games like the Decipher CCG, but I am in love with miniatures now, so I talk about Star Wars Legion as much as I possibly can, and we talk about painting, getting started, advanced techniques, we talk a lot about uh, crafting terrain, and we... Love to have other people on for just good fun RPG time like we had Sugi on not too long ago for some goofiness is pretty fun. And if you want to just check out, we've got some videos, too, that are also goofy, but a lot of fun. 
Jodocast, J-O-D-O-C-A-S-T, because it's an old Legends Star Wars joke. Uh, Jodocast.com. You can go to our Discord, too. We have a lot of fun there. I just jump back and forth between Jodocast and Squad Tactica. And, yeah, check out the videos. Check out the podcast. Come have fun with us. And... <laughs> that's it so thank you both for coming on the show it's been a blast i uh, will definitely have you on in the near future especially after adepticon since we're all going to be enjoying that but thank you to everyone for listening thank you for everyone who's participated in the last year of kill team with us uh, it's been an amazing ride we've met some amazing people and uh most importantly it's been a lot of fun to see a uh, a really cool community grow out of this with you know everyone who's just really you know their arms are open their hearts are open it's a really uh, fun and safe environment to just talk about pretty much whatever you want and uh, we're all really cool about it but um seeing kill team bring so many really cool people together has just been a, a pure blessing so uh Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. And as always, remember to keep on killing them.